Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. This is something entirely special and breaking form from previous episodes. Are you ready? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 564. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm joined by a team of third graders at my school. Specifically, these are third graders who signed up to take a podcasting class with me. You may have heard them on previous episodes, interviewing Ricardo Cortez about his illustrations in Party, a Mystery, or asking Adam Rex about Are You Scared, Darth Vader, or writing Pluto Gets the Call, which is illustrated by Lori Keller. I've got one more episode with them after this, where they interview debut picture book author Elizabeth Lilly. Geraldine, her debut, is one we all loved quite a lot, and we had the special opportunity to interview her in person. But today is a little different. Today I reached out to all of you over Facebook and asked what questions you might have for a class full of third graders about books, podcasting, and most importantly, being a reader. We had a lot of fun recording this episode, and I hope you enjoy listening. And if you submitted a question, listen for your name. Please welcome my third graders here to take your questions. So, uh, my thought today, third graders, was to try something a little different. I reached out to friends on Facebook and asked if they had questions for you. You have interviewed authors and illustrators, and I wondered if they might want a chance to ask you, real children, real readers, uh, what you think about books. And some of these questions you may or may not want to answer because they would really be revealing things about you as a reader. But uh, are you willing, in a big loud voice, answer me please, are you willing to answer some of my author friend's questions? Yes. Yes. Oh, I heard clapping and sure and enthusiasm. (laughs) We are across the board in how we feel about this. I'm going to start off. You uh, give me a silent signal that you want to respond and we'll try to give everyone a chance to go. So my third grade podcasters, I'll start at the very, very, very top, which is, uh, something that is going to get to the 
opposite of reading. Author Stacy McAnulty asks, what makes you put a book down and stop reading? Maybe there's good reasons to stop, or maybe you are like done stopping. I won't say your name because we're going to keep your, uh, your name private to this recording group, but would you like to share? Um, the reason that I usually put down a book in the middle of reading is like either I just don't think it's a good book or I see something that I really don't want to see. Wow. Okay, I see a little anguish on your face. I don't know what that is, but I, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, I have we have a friend that wants to add on. Either like a, if a book, I just don't want to read it anymore because what the words say and I just don't like what they say. Yeah. Or if I just don't like it. All right. Fair enough. Well, you heard it from third graders first. Let me move on to another, which is... Have you, ever, have you ever read a book? This is um, Marty Dumas wrote this. Have you ever read a book that made you forget you were reading? Sort of the opposite. Not you had to put this book down, but rather you're so into this book, you completely lost track of time and space. You're just reading and going and going. Yeah? Definitely. Most books are like that. Really? Most books for you are like that? That's amazing. Most of the time, if there's something that I really like about it, or as in if there's, like, a really good storyline to that book. But you can lose yourself in a book. That is really promising to hear you say that. Let me keep going, because we have, you are not going to believe all these responses we got of folks that want to hear your opinions to things. How about, what is the most recent book you've read and loved? And what did you love about it? This is Ishta Mercurio asking you, most recent book you've loved and read and what you loved about it. Okay, loved and read. Uh, Diary, Diary of a Wimpy K Wrecking Ball. What did you love about it? Uh, it was just good. It was just good. It's part of a series that you love. Uh, who was Martin Luther King Jr.? What did you love about it? I love that he tried to change the world and inspire people that racism shouldn't be alive. Did you feel like it was written well, that information came across? Yes. Wonderful. A book called What's-His-Face. I like the storyline and the like dialogue in it because as in it really compelled to make it look like it was really realistic. Nice. I haven't read that one yet. Moving on. How do you decide which books to read. This is Tamika Fryer-Brown asking this, and she has a sub-note. It says, especially interested in what makes you students pick up a book that you wouldn't normally read besides somebody recommending it to you. Is it the covers or the information on the back flap? Like, what makes you pick up a book that you maybe wouldn't normally pick up? The front of the book. The cover? Tell me more about that. If it looks very interesting and colorful. Yeah? Does that work for all books? For novels as well as picture books? As well as nonfiction for you? Um, sometimes. Sometimes? <laughs> cool. <coughs> um, if the book's cover is, like, really, like, mysterious, it makes me, like, want to pick it up and find out what it is. Cover design. You know, authors don't have control of their cover 
uh, if they're an author illustrator, they might have helped make their cover, but usually authors, their, their book cover is a surprise to them. So I like hearing from you that it really matters. A good cover is something that you really pay attention to. So I have, uh, as a reader, third graders, a really great question for you from authors that you might need a moment to think about. Ellie Schwartz asks, well, she tells you that she writes for kids. Ellie Schwartz writes middle grade novels. She says, what do you wish writers knew either about you as readers or just what do you wish they knew to help deliver the best stories to you? What do you wish they knew? Maybe to make more like uh, books about like interesting things and. Tell me what are interesting things for you. What kind of books do you wish we had more of? Need a moment to think? Um, maybe like stuff that's maybe in a museum, history, things that may have happened a long time ago that some people didn't know about, or interesting things. Do you want non-fiction books about those, or do you want fiction books that tie in history, historical fiction? The second one. Second one? Cool. Um, I think there should be a little more like narrative books, as in where the main character describes, as in what it would feel like to them if they experienced something. Oh, so you like first person narrative, where the main character is actively telling you what's going on in the story. Ah, oh, great to hear that, that preference. Uh, can we take a short little break to ask you kind of a silly question? I think at least two of you are going to have a great answer for this. Aaliyah Jones asks, what's your favorite dance right now? (laughs) On uh, Tuesday, January 14th, 2020, because, you know, these podcasts will be around forever. So as of this moment in time, what's your favorite dance right now? I got to say probably... I like a lot of dances, but... I have to say probably like the floss or something like I that. I knew it! <laughs> I knew it was a Fortnite dance. You've got a number of friends responding on that. Anybody else have a favorite dance? A TikTok dance. TikTok dance and... The robot. The robot classic. Okay, so you've been podcasting for, I think, nine weeks with me. I think we did this for nine weeks so far. There are a number of questions I received about tips for podcasting. Because there's a lot of adults that, that would love to podcast that don't even do it. So Jamila Tompkins Bigelow asks, what advice do you have for new podcasters? Um, usually, if you don't know what to say, like if you're trying to do it on live, you should probably write down your questions before you would ask them to as in like know what you're going to say instead of just saying it without thinking good not so much improv more planning you think helps in the process just try your best do something you care about and that you can try hard on don't be like oh welcome to my boring podcast (laughs) this is so boring why are you even listening (laughs) yeah (laughs) so at least get like one friend and like ask them to like play a game or like react to something and then that could make it pretty interesting. Ah, that's a way to make it interesting to partner with someone. Do you think it's helped to have six of you here 
working off of one another. I think your reactions have been <laughs> really awesome. That's one one of my favorite things. Okay, new page. Do this is for everyone just a call out. Jennifer Hansen Rowley asks, "Do you judge a book by its cover?" No. No. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Maybe sometimes. we got a mix. So sometimes if it's a cover you don't totally love, you're willing to still try the story? Sometimes. Okay. I'm getting answers all over. I can't even move the mic fast enough. So you're in the library or you're in your classroom or you're at a bookstore or you're wherever. Donna Lynn Miller asks, what's the hardest part about finding books to read? What's the hardest part? You're in between books. You're looking for a new one or wherever you are in, 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 in school or at home. What's the hardest part about finding books to read? Um, like sometimes I'm in the library and I can't find any books I like. And I go over to a section that I usually go for books and I don't see any books that really seem interesting for me. Okay, so, so doing those blind searches, just not really knowing what, what to pick. Sure. Uh, what makes it hard is, so, let's say, like, the cover and the back. So I first look at the illustrations, and if they're equal, I go to the back. And if they're equal, I read, like, five pages on each book and then decide. So you're holding up two books that you think are, are pretty similar, if they seem too similar, you, you do a five-page test. Read random five pages or the first five pages? The first five pages. The first five pages to see what, what story hooks you in five pages or, or less. Cool. Wow. Did, did you want to share too? Go ahead. Say you were trying to choose a book and then you find um, you know there's a series you want and you remember it, and then you go over to it, and you can't find any of those books. And so, um, it tur- and then you find out that all of those books are checked out, and it can be really frustrating. I hear that. So, this is a related question. Jessica Bagley asks, what books do you need from us? Authors sit down to choose what they're going to write. They hope that what they write will be discovered and loved by children will be topics that you think are interesting but what do you need authors to write what books do you need from them books based off video games it doesn't even have to be like about a video game or about some specific games just something that's based off video games so like maybe the main character likes to play video games would that would that be a connection or something that actually extends some of the stories or play that you like in video games. Okay, complicated answer, but I hear you. Maybe more games about, like, there's this book called Ready Up and I love it. It's actually a series, and it's about this rabbit, and he's basically a superhero. It's kind of video game-like, but it's more action-like as well. The drawings in that book are sort of pixel drawings. They sort of look like a video game, don't they? I remember that series. Great. Have you ever, I hope, boy, I hope the answer is yes to this. 
But Gabrielle Snyder asks, have you ever read a book and thought, that character is just like me? If so, which book, if you remember the title, and how is that character just like you? Have you ever read a book and thought that out loud? Yeah? Go ahead, man. Many books, none of which I remember the names of. But you did feel like that character was just like me. What about the character made you feel like they were like you? Um, well, like, I remember there was this one character in a book that was just, in general, a lot like me. How? Like, we both love to collect pretty much everything we see. Okay. Hobbies, good. And we're both nerds. Love it. Love that you see yourself reflected that way. I don't remember the name of the book, but there was this five books I read. People that are like me. How are they like you? Uh... Was it because of your personality? Was it because of your interests? Was it because of your family or or the experiences you've had in life? Uh, kind of like experiences and personality. Cool. All right, moving on. Oh, you want to share one more? Okay, go ahead. So there was this one book where if um if the character is a lot different in terms of like growth and stuff, but if I was age thirteen in the eighth grade, um, and had both parents as um, lawyers, then I think I would be really like him, like the main character. Oh, so a couple like, family I, qualities that are different. Um, the personality like, seem the same, yeah. though. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. And the book is, um, uh, oh my gosh. Theodore Boone. How did I know that? Apparently I'm doing a good job as a librarian. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a, it's a good book series by John Grisham. Good. Hey, we just had a connection. I like that. Well done. Well done. I can't always remember books, but I know that one. I know that one very well. I have um, maybe like three more questions. And they're going to get progressively harder. I'm so sorry that they're going to get progressively harder. You don't have to answer, but if you're comfortable, I know a lot of listeners that would really, a lot of adult listeners that would really love to hear kid voices. So, Monica Clark Robinson asks, is there anything you third graders think that they adult writers get wrong about the lives of kids? Ooh, that hand went up real fast. What do some adult writers get wrong about kids? So I was once reading this book called Diary of a Wimpy Kid. A lot of a lot of people like it, <laughs> but I think Greg, his life, like not rarely any kid's life is that bad. So maybe <laughs> is it fun to read though? It's fun to read that Greg's life, the Greg Halfley's life, is that bad, right? But you think it's not actually accurate. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not accurate. It's just that kids' life couldn't be possibly so horrible. Okay. Well, maybe that gives you some hope about your life. <laughs> well, at least it's not Greg Heffley's life. I don't know. That's funny. All right, Jeff Kinney. If Jeff Kinney is listening, we can note that kids' lives aren't really that hard, hopefully. 
uh, what if I asked you? I want to ask. Oh, you want to share this one before I ask the? I'm gonna ask you a tough one next. Go ahead, finish up your your thought. Um. Sometimes, like, kids won't like read long books, and like they'll just read like short. Well, not really short, but like the usual. And um, people won't um, read like books that are like very boring. Do you think that some books might be a little too long? That you'd like to see books that are a little shorter, a little shorter and interesting? What do you What do you think? Is that what you're reflecting on? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah, books of different lengths to help different kids get into reading. Okay, final two. Megan Elizabeth Hoyt asks, have you ever read a book that made you cry? Which book and why? The answer might not be no. You might not want to share with me, but I wonder, have you ever read a book that made you cry? So I don't remember the book's name, but it didn't really make me, like, cry cry, but, like... Made you sad? Well, made me, like... Yeah. 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 Why? What made you feel that way? Is something the character went through? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I didn't cry, but I felt disturbed by one book I read, as in because it involved a lot of death in it. Ooh. Okay. Um. Edward Tulane because somebody dies. Edward Tulane has very sad moments in that book. Yeah. Katie Camilla wrote that. Uh, Saving Winslow. Sharon Creech, one of our Black Eyed Susan nominees this year. Made you sad? Yeah. Final book, and you don't have to name names. But Megan McCarthy writes, maybe I shouldn't ask this, but what is your most hated book and why? If you don't feel like sharing the name of the book, it's okay. But if you do, this is your opportunity. What's your most hated book and why? People don't know who you are, so you you are saved behind anonymity. But maybe uh, you don't want to share the title, and that's okay. It has to be, like, um, The Diary of Ama- Amazing Kid. I think that was, like, The Diary of a Wimpy all, Kid. Awesome, friendly kid? Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. That was a book in the Diary of a Wumpy Kid series. Yeah. True. It was a book itself, They made it a separate book. Uh Uh-huh. Rowley's book? Yeah. I just didn't like it. It wasn't the same. The regular regular one was better. So trying something new, but not something that really worked for you. You thought, stick with the main Wimpy Kid series. That's that's what really works. Cool. Good to know. Anyone else want to share? That's okay. I, you might be surprised to hear that I actually read books that I strongly dislike all the time. And you know what? They don't get added to our library. (laughs) So sometimes you might read a book at a bookstore and go, oh, I wonder why this isn't in our library. But maybe if you read it and think that it doesn't connect with you very well, you might, you might understand why. Or maybe not. Maybe you'll be like, Mr. Winter, I know you don't like this book, but you're wrong. And you should totally have this book because it is awesome. And you are no longer a child, Mr. Winter. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of most disliked books, but I could talk to you about that later. 
Yeah, I'll have to think of some specific reasons why. The reason why I mostly don't like some books is because I almost said your name. Whoops, gotta be careful. The reason why I most don't like some books, child sitting in front of me, is because I don't like when I feel like some adults write books and don't give kids the power to solve their own problems. Sometimes there's books that come out where they have the adults solving the problems, but I feel like, no, I work with children and I know that children are really strong and really resilient and they can solve a lot of their own problems. So those are the books that make me most upset because I feel like you don't know kids. Kids need adults in their life, but sometimes kids can solve their own problems too and see that they have strength. Does that make sense? Cool. I have a closing question for you to wrap up. Okay. I normally ask my, my, my guests, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? But I'm going to ask you, I'll see a Facebook full of authors. Is there a message you want to give to them? Think in your brain. What message do you want to give to authors and to illustrators and to bookmakers? Think, think, think. Got it? I'm coming to you. What message do you want to share with them? Mm. <laughs> They're totally silent. This is so great. Uh, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you is a good message. Thank you for your awesome and amazing and funny and maybe disgusting books. <laughs> well done. Keep making good books. I don't know most of your books, but if I ever read them, I'm pretty sure it would be good. <laughs> no? <laughs> Awkward silence. That was good. <laughs> uh, your books are good. Last one. <laughs> they said, I don't have one. So I, on behalf of these six wonderful third graders, will also say thank you for making books for these wonderful, wonderful children. Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. 
That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.